Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome, you're listening to the I Can't Believe I Get Paid to Do This podcast from BBC Good Food. Do you dream in food? Are you starting your first job, trying to change your path, writing your CV right now, or simply curious as to how the food on your plate gets there? We're focusing on the careers side of the food industry in this new series. I'm your host, Miriam Nice, and in this podcast, I'm going to be uncovering what it takes to have some of the most enviable jobs in the wonderful world of food. To kick us off in this brand new season, we're stepping into the shoes of the dream job of a chocolate taster. Yes, you heard that right. My guest this week is paid to eat chocolate, but is that really as dreamy as it sounds? Warm welcome to Jennifer, who is a chocolate taster. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And let me introduce you properly. Jennifer Earl, you're an international chocolate judge and founder of Chocolate Ecstasy Tours, the longest running food tour business in London. Is that right? As far as I know. (laughs) 16 years now wow 16 years that's amazing I'm going to go back to the beginning if I may what did you want to be when you grew up that is a good question I (laughs) I am pretty sure I wanted to be an actress um if I can think of anything I know that I had a I had my own like pretend restaurant in my cubby house um Oh. And because I had plastic burgers and fries and I made a menu and charged people fake money, but still. Um, so I, I, yeah, I used to love baking and cooking, but I, I really didn't know. I knew that I wanted to do something where I got to travel and do interesting things, but none of the jobs that were offered sounded very exciting. So I think I liked actress because it sounded the most fun. Okay. And is the job that you're doing right now, would you say that's your dream job? Yes. It really is. I mean, there's other things I think I'd love to do as well. But I mean, if I could yeah. go back in time and tell my 12-year-old self that I get paid to eat chocolate, basically, <laughs> and do it on my own terms. And it's, yeah, really amazing. I've done a lot of terrible jobs along the way. I, yeah, okay. but but um, it's all been worth it to get here. What was the worst? Can you tell me what was the worst one? <laughs> Oh my God. Um, I have clean toilets. Um, I waitressed on um, Christmas day and like the food was, the ice machine broke. It was like in Northern Australia. So it was 40 something degrees. Um, I have stood in minus temperatures at a festival, checking tickets for cars. Um, Yeah. Lots of really unpleasant 
jobs. I picked, I used to, um, I don't know if you know of the Australian flower called protea, um, which is like basically like they grow on branches. So they're really painful to cut off the tree. Um, so I've done that in a 30 plus degree heat with kangaroos just and snakes and <laughs> spiders and all sorts. So that was a very unfun job as well, but it was all that to intense. save money so that I could travel and eventually save money so that I could start a business and then quit my real job so I had savings so that I could try and make it grow. So tell me what a chocolate taster does. Presumably you don't just eat chocolate and then that's the end of your day. Like what what happens? Well, so I uh, my the main part of what I do as a job is to run the tours, which um, these days I have a team who help to guide the tours for me. In fact, they do most of them. Um, as I said, I started 16 years ago, so in 2005. And for the first year or so, I did all of them. And then I started to bring in people to help. And so a lot of my day is spent on admin, <laughs> organizing people and communicating with the places that we take them to. And so most of the chocolate I eat is for fun and kind of to make sure that I know what's going on in the world. And then a big chunk of the chocolate that I eat is to judge it for awards. So I judge the International Chocolate Awards, the Academy of Chocolate Awards and several others. And so now that we're kind of not meeting in person so much, they're sent to my house to judge. Um, I also give feedback to companies on their chocolate. And the since um, June last year, I've been running online mystery tasting. So I always, I eat on the chocolate tours along with everybody else and I eat during the tastings with people. So the tastings have been so much fun. Um, so I will talk about chocolate and have people guess what they're tasting. So guessing the percentage, guessing the ingredients, and then sharing things about how the process of chocolate from the tree to the bar is. So um, I've been doing those, lots of those for companies and team events, and then also for the public every month and changing the chocolates each time. So we have people who come each month, which is really fun. I'll take a break over the summer, but they'll start again in September. Yeah, they look really fun. And tell me, so you're not doing this every day, like what's your nine to five? Is it nine to five, what you're doing? It's a bit more nine to five than it used to be. So I used to have a nine to five okay. job and um, organised the tours and ran the tours in the evenings on the weekends and would do admin on a tiny laptop as I commuted into work <laughs> in my other job it was quite intense um it's hard not to just do nine to five so but since my phone crashed a year and a half ago and so I never put my emails back on my phone and that has helped so my out of office does have my mobile number on it so if it's an emergency people can still contact me but it helps me to try and stick to just working business hours um yeah. but I I also uh, do consulting for the food industry. So alongside running the tours, I used to work as a buyer and a food developer. And so I do innovation safaris, they're called, but tours to show people what's happening in the food world. And so I spend quite a bit of my time, weekdays and weekends, um, visiting new places in town or places that have new things to try them so that I'm kind of like the feet on the ground for some of the manufacturers and lots Fantastic. of eating <laughs> <laughs> and research lots of research as well yes yeah, research not eating yeah. it's really yeah some of it's not a snack it's research exactly <laughs> and some of it's online as well so just yeah 
Okay. And what are the common misconceptions that people have about the work that you do? Uh, that is a great question. I think a lot of people think that it must be really unhealthy to eat this much chocolate. Um, and I don't agree with that. Uh, okay. I think it's probably unhealthy to eat the amount of pastries I've been eating lately. But uh, <laughs> chocolate itself is is actually got lots of vitamins and minerals and it's really hard to eat a lot of chocolate in terms of like quantity and calories versus kind of just regular sweets and treats. Um, I think... I don't know. I think people probably have conceptions about what I do, but most of them are true, but it is really fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think probably they don't quite realize that I'm should be doing lots of admin and, and, and marketing and things as well. So it's still a job at times. There is still, there's still lots of dull bits to what I do, but I am lucky that the meeting people and eating chocolate is very good compensation for having to do spreadsheets of receipts and things, which I probably should outsource, but um, yeah. That, I mean, it sounds like a good balance. And what about your um, your friends and family? So when you were doing all this other job, saving money to start your business, what did people say? What did your friends and family think about what you wanted to do? Oh, so I started the business before I got real jobs, as I call them. Uh, these what I'm doing now is not a real job. Uh, and my, oh, my, honestly, my mom and my aunt were constantly reminding me about pensions and national insurance and that I really should get a job. And yeah, that was tough. I didn't get a job first because I had this idea that if I got a job, I'd get comfortable with the salary and I'd never followed my dream of starting my own business. Yeah. In hindsight, if I was to advise anyone, I would say get the job first, even though it is hard to leave if you are comfortable. You learn so much working with other people and and that salary is, is you know, that comfort is useful <laughs> for kind of establishing yourself financially, um, building up a savings cushion, but just the experience and the connections you get working in a job are really valuable. And because I didn't have money or connections before I started the chocolate tours, I, it, um, it was really slow to grow. And that's why I ended up getting a full-time job alongside running the business, which made my family very happy. It was really hard to do both, but I'm, I'm glad I did because those years of experience working inside big retailers allowed me to kind of have more gravitas for the other arms of what I do in terms of the consulting, which is, um, it's more interesting for me to be able to to do that as well as just the public tours. I like that I have more than one of source of income. Of course, yeah. Um, and in terms of, so you, you said having that experience in the professional environment, are there any other ways to get into this? Are there any other required like qualifications that you needed? No, so interestingly, when I started the tours, my idea was that I would find a chocolate expert to lead the tours. So I would just design the route and get the people to come along and someone else would be the guide. And I couldn't find anyone (laughs) because it wasn't really a thing then. Chocolate was still really new. In fact, I mean, the whole food world has changed so much in the last 16 years. Um, And craft beer and gin and all of the sort of um, boutique industries and food. And a friend suggested that I should really know about chocolate 
fully, even if I wasn't guiding them. So I went and spent six months reading every book I could get my hands on, talking to the staff in the chocolate shops. Um, I attended quite a few tastings and went to chocolate fairs and festivals and and then felt like I could handle a customer who might know a bit about chocolate if they came on because that was my biggest fear of kind of having somebody who knew something about chocolate and looking like a fraud. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, it's been, it's, and then somehow I just kind of kept learning and kept learning and, yeah, it, I, I was afraid that when I started it would spoil my love of chocolate. I thought that if I made it into something that required um, me to earn a living from it, then it would take the joy from it. But it actually, I'm more obsessed with chocolate than I was 15 years ago. It's it's so been so exciting to watch the industry grow and see all the people come into it. And I think with chocolate, especially because it's a very difficult industry on a high quality scale to make money from. Okay. And so everybody who comes into it does it because they really love the product and that's really nice. Like you have people who are genuinely obsessed with quality and passionate about improving the um, supply chain and all of the kind of the general industry overall because it's, it's pretty ugly in the confectionery okay. world. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, so those stories are kind of really important as well I suppose and just um tell us a little bit more about the tour so you take people around different chocolate shops in London yes yes so uh it started with chocolate tours and then um one summer it was hot for two weeks in a row and I think that was just after I'd quit my job to work on the tours full-time and I think I sold two tickets in two weeks which is frightening and so I decided to start an ice cream tour as well and I also have a sweet treats tour as well, which is a combination of chocolate, ice cream and um, baked goods too. So um, those are the three tours that we run now. I've had different ones throughout the years, but those are the three plus the online mystery chocolate tastings as well. The thing I think that surprises people about the tours is that uh, we share lots of London history as well. So um, we talk about the product so people learn facts about chocolate and ice cream, but as we walk in between the places where we're getting the tastings, there's also um, lots of like fun London facts. So I like to think of it as a more delicious way to see London. <laughs> oh, lovely. Really nice. And do you, so the, the owners, they know you're coming. Yes. So they, they're there and, and you can meet them and stuff. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds really nice. Um, and what about after, what about after work? So when you, how do you unwind after a day of eating chocolate ice cream pastries? Like, yeah. Uh, that is do you need to? a good question. So when I used to have a full-time job as well as running the tours, I used to bake a lot. That was kind of like my meditation. Um, since having a child, <laughs> don't bake so much. She's kind of my um, unwinding. So playing Lego and sand pits with her is kind of the um the the activities that force me to be present and and not think about work so much but it, it's it's always been really hard because I genuinely love what I do and so walking around London is fun for me so that would be kind of what I do in my spare time but I just happen to walk past a bakery and go in and check it out so um, 
I do less of the walking around now because of the child, but um, it's, I, I really, I, I've been thinking I need to probably find some hobbies that are unconnected from, disconnected from food. But it's okay so far. <laughs> do you think there's a danger that if you find a, a hobby that you'll then want to turn that into a business arm as well? Like, is there that, that worry? You know, start designing yeah, shapes I mean, or something. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I, I I find it really hard not to, um, yeah, not to kind of think about how to monetize things, which is dangerous. Um, but I, I we I spent a lot of time um, planning my wedding and then house hunting and then and then planning my kitchen renovations. So those, I guess, for like a year at a time, were my activities, non work activities that. I, I kind of in some ways treated like work with lots of spreadsheets and so on. Um, I love a spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the only way to like really see everything properly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have tried, so I've, um, we got um, given a piano. Um, like so many people want to give them away. Like they just, you pay for the transport and that's it. And so I sometimes sit there and, and play scales. Um, I can't play any actual songs yet. But that's all that's been good as something that I have absolutely no interest in doing anything from an achievement perspective. Like I don't don't ever want to record or write songs or perform anywhere. But just the kind of meditative like playing is good. I do yoga sometimes. <laughs> Not as often as I should. But that's yeah, I definitely could do with some some more hobbies. <laughs> I think it sounds like it sounds good. But yeah, I know what you mean about doing something that you really love and then as a kind of hobby and then when you start to do it as a job it you do change the relationship with it but I'm really glad that it's um you still love it that's that's wonderful yeah I mean there are definitely days when I'd be like I would rather be at home in bed than guiding it all but as soon as I get there it's just it, it is really it's really uplifting especially when I have people who are really which is most of the time have people who are really enthusiastic and and I like it's yeah it's a the best thing about what I do is that chocolate makes people happy and so you spend a few hours with people and they just get happier in your company <laughs> and so and you're like ah oh, I, I did this I was I was part of part of making their day better and so that's that's really nice that's lovely um for you, are there any specific things that you have to avoid? It's like downside, I guess, to like tasting. Um, we work with sort of wine tasters who've had to sort of skip wearing perfume and things like that. Is there anything that you have to do when you're judging chocolate particularly or not do? I don't wear perfume either. Um, I very occasionally do if I'm going out um, somewhere and I feel like I should. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm really sensitive to smells, which is kind of funny because my parents are not, they're not foodies at all. And I used to really complain as a child about this, like my dad's smoking or like my mom's perfume. I was always like, oh, it's so much. And, and now I tease them that like, see, <laughs> this is what I get paid for, my extra sense of <laughs> extra sensitivity. <laughs> um, so I, I like, I'm funny about wearing perfumes and things anyway. Uh, but I do have to be careful about what I'm eating before tasting so I couldn't have anything that was too garlicky or too chilly and drinks that are too hot that might burn my tongue um yeah but I mean it's it's not nothing that's too dramatically affecting my day-to-day life if you can leave us with a few things that 
you would suggest anybody serious about going into a career in chocolate tasting or judging or just working with chocolate generally that they should really look at perhaps some books um reference material perhaps what, what would you suggest uh, yeah so okay, so i went and bought loads of books um my friend dom who has written a blog um he started his blog about the same time i started the tours and then became a chocolate maker he wrote a book called indulge or in a chocoholic which is a really good overview of the whole process of um chocolate from tree to bar there are lots of other really amazing books as well but I would say that the industry is so amazing that if you're really serious about it then reach out to some of both the chocolatiers and the chocolate makers and see if you can go and help them for a few days um I think they're very generous with their knowledge and their time and personally, I find that to be the easiest way to learn. It'd be a good idea to read a book before you go. So you kind of can have some conversations where you know a little bit about what you're saying. Um, that I think would um, be really helpful. If you're interested in making chocolate, I, I recorded an introductory chocolate course with a company called Workshop. So workshop.app, um, which is from the perspective of somebody who doesn't make chocolate for a living. So it's very, very basic in, in, sorry, very accessible. I should say it's fairly basic, but it's, it's, and um, it's very accessible for somebody who's, who kind of had to learn and, and doesn't do it on a day-to-day basis. Um, and then visiting the chocolate fairs and festivals as well, when travel is easier. The Salon du Chocolat in Paris is amazing. Uh, if you want a nice tropical holiday, the Grenada Chocolate Festival, and then you can actually see the farms and talk to makers and manufacturers and attend talks and things. So those, for me, I like that kind of experiential learning more than just books. And books can be a challenge because some of them have outdated things. So there's a lot of things like they used to think there was only three varieties of cocoa. Um, they used to think that chocolate kind of started in Mexico and a lot of books still say those things to be true, which they've been, you know, knowledge has moved on. So, um, yeah, it's it's good to speak to people who are in the industry, I think. And do lots of tasting. Buy lots of bars of chocolate and see what you like and compare them as well, which is why the festivals and fairs are good. So you get to try loads and loads. Oh, that sounds really great. So, yeah, so um, read lots of books of different different eras of books as well so you can kind of cross-reference what's what's new information um go on go on some trips and go to some festivals uh and eat lots of chocolate sounds awful yeah it's really hard work (laughs) really hard work it is really good to go to a tasting so that you're um hearing other people's feedback because it is fascinating like what you taste versus other people and it can really guide your guide your understanding of chocolate tasting um yeah there are some um, new courses coming up as well but people can reach out to me if they have any questions I'm happy to give some more specific recommendations anytime and you, you mentioned chocolate maker and chocolatier so chocolate maker makes the actual chocolate and chocolatier works with it and turns it something else that right yes yes so a chocolate maker buys the beans and um, processes them into chocolate buttons or bars and then the chocolatier will and buy those bars or buttons and rebelt them and turn them into truffles or pralines or other bars. Sometimes, sometimes people do both. Um, yeah. But 
a lot of the time it's separate. And then the coca farmer obviously grows the trees and produces the beans or harvests and processes the beans. Okay, so is there anything else anyone needs to do? It's a pretty extensive, extensive yeah. list. Join me on a mystery chocolate tasting <laughs> or a chocolate yeah. tour. That's a good way to learn as well. <laughs> but they're very fun, very fun good. ways to learn. Amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Jen, for joining me. And um, next time I'm going to be finding out about another dream job in food. But in the meantime, please look out for the bonus episode with Jennifer. So if you do fancy a career in chocolate tasting, on Saturday there's going to be a bonus workshop where you can learn some essential trade secrets. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. You've been listening to the I Can't Believe I Get Paid to Do This podcast from BBC Good Food, hosted by me, Miriam Nice. Join me next time as I uncover another dream job in food and drink. 